Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, welcome to the podcast. It's episode 410 for April 21st, 2021. Our guest today is Keith Champion from Lucid Motors. He's formerly of Toyota and also formerly of Tesla Motors. For show notes, links, videos, and more, you can go to leanblog.org slash 410. Our guest today is Keith Champion. He is currently a senior manager of operational excellence at Lucid Motors. They are a really exciting uh, new electric vehicle company. They are expected to release um, their first model, the Lucid Air, uh, an electric sedan later this year. I saw one on um, on the floor in a showroom, and I've, I've watched a lot of videos. It is um, stunning. So um, I'm sure you're really uh, excited about that too, Keith. Before I tell the audience more about your background, let me first say, um, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. It's great to be here. Um, celebrating my birthday with you and, and your audience today. So it's, it's a great way to celebrate. Thanks for having me. Happy birthday. I don't have uh, a cake and candles for you, but I hope this is a good part of what's going to be a wonderful birthday. Very exciting. Thank you. Okay. Um, so Keith, before joining um, Lucid, going back a little bit further in his career, he worked uh, more than 17 years at Toyota Georgetown in Kentucky. And we will, I think, have an opportunity to hear more about that. And then Keith also spent more than eight years working for a company that you might have also heard of called Tesla Motors. He was there through 2019 when he joined Lucid. So, you know, Keith, as as I ask uh, most every guest here on the podcast, you know, I'd really like to hear your story, uh, a quote unquote lean origin story, or for you, I guess it's a Toyota production system story. How... I'm curious, you're, you're getting started at Toyota and how you first started learning about these approaches. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, if it's okay, I'm going to take you back even further before I even started at Toyota. It's an interesting story. I, mm-hmm. I grew up in New York and when I was a kid, uh, me and my sisters, we had chores around the house. And I remember writing down the instructions for doing the laundry and I would post it right there at the <laughs> washer and dryer. Okay, it was step-by-step instructions with key points. Um, <laughs> and then every time I would, you know, be, be doing the loads of laundry and folding the clothes, I'm always looking for, you know, how can I improve the efficiency? So I think ever since I, I was a kid and, you know, even to today, that it's always been a, a part of me. Um, but fast forward to uh, <laughs> 1993, uh, I, was, I, was, I started working at Toyota as you mentioned, in Georgetown, Kentucky, as a team member working directly on the front line. And I began learning about the Toyota production system. And it was, it just really resonated with me. It, it validated of what I, what I practiced organically in, in, in my life. And I, I remember learning specifically about the importance of standardization, uh, continuous improvement, which to this day, I think is one of the greatest components of uh, the Toyota production system. And waste reduction, uh, built-in quality, which is one of the pillars of, of the house of TPS, um, the structured problem-solving methodologies, you know, using an A3 or, or, or TBP and, and other components of TPS. And over the years working there and getting to apply those tools was just uh, a great experience. 
So what part of the plant, I, I'd like to hear a little bit about the team member experience, because it seems like there is, uh, you know, kind of very prevalent uh, kind of job history at Toyota of people working their way up the ranks into different levels of leadership, including some of the people I've, um, all former Toyota people I've interviewed um, here on this podcast. So I was wondering if you could kind of paint a picture a little bit for listeners who maybe haven't worked in manufacturing or haven't worked in a frontline team member role, like what was one of the settings that you were in? It would be curious to hear a little bit about what daily work life was like. Yeah, absolutely. I started in the body weld department as a team member. So we were um, doing a lot of welding, uh, a lot of, a lot of metal finish on the vehicle, uh, or the body, the structure of the vehicle. Uh, it was fast paced. It was repetitive. Um, but Toyota has such a way of, you know, engaging its people that even though it's physical and it's repetitive, um, it's work that you, you can really enjoy because there's so many other things outside of that. You're, you know, you're constantly looking for ways to improve processes and you're empowered to, to make those improvements. I, I feel like my my experience as a team member on the front line was it, it was invaluable. You know, you talk about, you know, some people have gone on and, you know, moved up the ranks. And um, it's so it, it's such a, a valuable insight. It gives you this holistic perspective, you know, as you as you do advance in your career um, that lends extremely well, especially in like an operational excellence position. You're building programs to engage uh, all levels of the organization and and how better to do that if you, you know, you've, you've lived in those shoes. What, what were some of the other roles that you had over a relatively long time there at Toyota? I, I, I had several, uh, you know, even as a team member, you know, I, I remember, you know, expanding that role t- taking, participating in and leading quality circles. So even, even as team member, you have a, an ability to, to, you know, uh, kind of build that role. Um, if you want to get involved in quality circles, uh, I remember taking a lead role in the safety task force, uh, supporting the, the diversity committee. So many great programs, but um, you know, over the nearly uh, 18 years that I worked there, I did go on to become a team lead. Uh, so, as a team lead, uh, you know, you you get to uh, support a team of team members, which is very rewarding, uh, helping them be successful. And um, the the next step is as a group leader. And now you have a team of team members and team leaders to support. Um, during my time there, I, you know, finally uh, joined the, the, uh, the pilot team, which helped to launch new models and, and new manufacturing lines, uh, you know, travel to Japan, very exciting, as you can imagine. Um, but, it, you know, all these opportunities and these career paths are, are, are available. It, it was a great experience. Um, and I'll tell you something, Mark, something interesting. I, I, uh, after having been gone uh, from Toyota for, for 10 years or so, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Tim Turner, who I know you've had on the show maybe maybe once or twice. Twice, he took, yeah. Twice, yes. Uh, he took me on a tour last year of, of the Toyota factory. So going back, you know, after spending, you know, 10 years out here on the West Coast, Silicon Valley, EV startup environment, <laughs> it was so great to go back. And, you know, I really appreciate, you know, Tim taking the time and, taking me through a tour, seeing some of the same faces from as far back as 28 years ago and, and seeing smiles on people's faces. They're still enjoying their jobs. You know, Toyota has a very high retention rate. 
Um, so yeah, I, I really I can't say enough about the the Toyota experience. When you had that chance to go back, did it seem? It sounds like it seemed more familiar than different. Do you recall anything that jumped out at you? Because I mean, they are continually improving. Was there anything that that's that you remember as being noticeably different or better? One of the biggest things. I mean, that it's. I think it's now the largest. Toyota factory in the world. They've added on their Lexus plant. And I know Tim was, was involved in that, um, helping to set that up along with a lot of my, my former colleagues. Um, so it's, it's really grown in terms of size. Um, but all the foundational things were still, I, I still recognized. So there was that, that familiar uh, feel. A lot of the improvements are not something you're going to see with your eyes. You, you'll experience uh, working there, you know, a constant efficiency improvements. Um, but from a visual perspective, um, it, it was great to see the expansion. And that's a result of all the hard work, the great work that they're doing there. So I'm um, just going back, I was going to ask you to elaborate a little bit. Some listeners might not know what you mean by TBP. Um, yeah, the, the the best practice, it's uh, so they, they may be more familiar with, you know, just a, a structured problem solving methodology. And um, you know, T Toyota uses a, a eight-step uh, problem-solving approach, um, right? So, really, you know, defining the problem in a way uh, that makes it um, solvable, and then taking a practical approach to uh, really understanding the, you know, the, the background of the problem, um, uh, setting goals for how how a problem is going to be improved. Um, doing your, your root cause analysis, um, planning corrective actions. So um, that when, we, when we talk about TVP, it's, it's this uh, structured approach. I know there, there are many different problem-solving methodologies that, that people practice. I think it's something that Toyota does extremely well. Yeah, so for a lot of listeners are probably familiar with A3 problem-solving. And in, in a way, it's different a different label for the same thought process. Is that fair to say? Yes. That's correct. Yeah. So, you know, I want to certainly take advantage of the opportunity to learn about what you and, and all of your colleagues um, are doing at Lucid Motors. You know, this is a really uh, exciting opportunity in a lot of ways. But um, one, one connection to something you said, Keith, you talked about this um, concept of built-in quality. And uh, I've been watching a lot of Lucid Motors videos on on their YouTube channel about the product and about um, the factory there in Casa Grande, Arizona. In in the one Lucid Motors video that says it starts off right in the beginning and it says something about how the approach. Uh, I don't know if they use the word philosophy, but they they definitely used a phrase that stood out to me: "Build it right the first time." And that's got to be. I mean, that's that's never easy in manufacturing, but now you've got this challenge of new product, new factory. I was wondering if you could maybe share first some thoughts, Keith, on um, you know how to start up and ramp up in a way that really emphasizes building it right the first time, built-in quality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a technical perspective, you know, it's it's understanding, um, you know, all the quality specifications and even upstream of that, you know, uh, designing uh, a, a perfect vehicle, uh, building a supply chain, you know, working with suppliers that are, that are capable. Um, but from an operator perspective, if we look at the operations within the manufacturing facility, um, you know, we, we always look at it in terms of input, throughput and output. So we're, we're not going to accept anything that is out of specification. 
we're, we're, we're not going to build uh, anything um, outside of standards. So following standardized work, making sure that we're following out quality control plans for every part. You know, we've got to make sure that's in specification. And in terms of output, uh, this, this concept of built-in quality, we, you're not going to pass something along to the next stage of manufacturing unless it is in specification. Um, the, the culture has to be there. And I remember, um, you know, because so much of, you know, what, what lessons learned from Toyota um, it, as a team, you know, I can still remember the first time that I had to actually stop the line as a team member um, because there was a quality issue in my station. And, um, you know, I, at some companies, I think, you know, people might get in trouble. You, you, you don't stop the line. You know, you got to keep that line running. Um, but at Toyota, it's it's encouraged, it's expected, and it's not something that people get in trouble for. Uh, you know, you, you somebody will come and respond to what we call an and on call. Basically, you're you're stopping the line, and we're going to solve the problem. Um, you know, Lucid is is de definitely very much focused on on built in quality. We're we're not going to release a vehicle to our customers um, that we're not extremely proud of. Yeah, it sounds like it's as much cultural as it is about tools or technology. I mean, there's the and on cord. Some Toyota plants uh, have a button on the cart full of um, parts and supplies that move along with the vehicle and the team member. Um, there, there are, you're right, a lot of environments in manufacturing or in healthcare where sadly people get in trouble for trying to put safety or quality first. They get in trouble um, for slowing down production. I mean, heck, I saw that you know, the first year of my career at General Motors, 1995, I mean, it, it was it was quantity first, unfortunately. And so, you know, I, I have a lot of listeners, um, you know, in healthcare where, you know, people increasingly, you know, talk about the need to create uh, a psychologically safe environment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that that culture, as you describe it, it seems like... Um, Maybe there are some advantages. I mean, a new company, a new factory, new employees to to build in that culture from the beginning, right? You you definitely want to build it in in the beginning, you know. And you know the the process of of building a new car. It's a very iterative process. So you go through multiple phases. Um, you know, we we did our alpha builds uh, about a, a year and a half ago. Uh, it's a learning experience to really validate the design of the vehicle. Um, we go through a beta phase where now we're, we're also validating manufacturing processes. Are they capable and really tuning things in? Um, the phase we're in right now is called release candidate. So it's, it's getting everything perfect. And you're right. Now is the time. And it's something we teach people from day one during onboarding, you know, uh, the, the emphasis on quality. When you talk about companies that, you know, will um, people will get in trouble for, you know, for pulling that end up, for stopping the line to address issues. It's reflected in what the customer sees. And we care about our customers. We care about our people. We're building that culture in. Um, and so when, when we when we go to production here very shortly and we start building customers' cars, they can have the confidence knowing that their car was built right and they can expect the best customer experience uh, ever for any product ever. New model launch is you know, a fascinating time as you're going through those cycles between product and process. And in one of the videos, um, the Lucid Motors CEO, it's Peter Rawlinson, right? Yes. He was showing or he was talking about 
there was something about the car. There was something, I think it was the side mirrors where he said there was learning, you know, from the beta testing. And then there was a change and like, that creates, you know, a challenge then uh, with the suppliers to adjust and respond. And then, and then he was showing there were some, uh, you know, buttons on the dash that have a physical pressing and say, oh, well, you know, we've got to make sure the springs and the tension <laughs> are just right. So you can see, you know, A, that attention to, you know, let's learn early, let's iterate. Um, and then that does create, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun times, right? When you're trying to iterate and get this all ready to go for real. It is. It's, uh, I like that you said it's fun times. I mean, it's, uh, for, for people who are, you know, up for the challenge, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. <laughs> it's definitely not a boring moment, you know, as you're learning and you're making those changes and it's not just you, you're right. It's your supply chain that has to adapt very quickly. And I think that's one of the things that this, uh, you know, EV revolution has really helped drive throughout the entire supply chain is having these hyper-aggressive timelines and being able to do that, you know, be more agile. So, you know, we talk about the importance of building in quality. It sounds like there's an opportunity here, you know, just elaborating on what, what you were sharing, building the culture right the first time. It's probably easier to try to instill some of these mindsets or this philosophy from the get-go than it is to get up and running. And, that, you know, culture change is always so difficult. This is more an opportunity for culture building, culture development, right? That's right. And uh, it starts at the very top, like you mentioned, Peter Rawlinson and his uh, in incredible focus on, on building this um, in impeccable vehicle. Um, our vice president of manufacturing, Peter Hockholdinger, uh, driving that down to his teams and each one of the directors and managers all the way down to the front line. Um, you know, it's, it's something we, we talk about fre frequently. There are communications, there are events uh, that we hold all focused on um, you know, this, this built-in quality and not passing something on to the very next station, um, unless it's within specification. Um, I think those are the ways to really build that culture. With Toyota, we talk about the Toyota production system and, you know, Toyota talks about, they'll use language around a Toyota way approach and they'll often use the word philosophy. So, you know, as Lucid Motors is going through these earlier stages of um, development and growth and launch to market. I mean, does, does Lucid Motors management talk about philosophy or their certain you know, um, values and principles that they are sort of instilling as um, I'm sure they, they continue to hire and continue to develop that culture? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, having worked for Toyota for as long as I did and seeing the benefits, I'm, I'm a huge um advocate of the Toyota production system and the Toyota way, the philosophy behind that. Um, a lot of people are familiar with the house of TPS, <clears throat> you know, the visual representation uh, with the foundation of standardization. You've got your pillars of just in time and built in quality, um, you know, and all built on top of this, this Toyota way philosophy. So it's, it's inspired a lot of the um, industries, production systems and philosophies. Uh, definitely at Lucid, we have the lucid production system. We have a lucid way of thinking. Uh, it was actually my, my number one task from Peter Hockholdinger uh, when he invited me to, to join lucid. Uh, the, the challenge was to, to develop a lucid production system. Um, the, 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 the visual representation of it, uh, if you can imagine a, a battery with three states of charge, 
um, which is very suiting, right? We're, we're building uh, electric vehicles. So, um, so we've got three main components, Mark, uh, for the Lucid production system. It all starts with why, if you're a fan of Simon Sinek, like I am, you'll appreciate this. Um, our, you know, the three components, it starts with purpose. Uh, on top of that, we build our strategies, every, all the strategies, everything that we do to manage our performance within the factory. And our, it, it all ties back. It has to be purposeful. It has to tie back to our mission, our vision, and our values. And then um, the third component, and there's a reason why we built it directly into this visual representation. It's our people. Um, people, you know, that have the right mindset, skill set, and knowledge uh, to, to, to be successful in achieving our strategies. Um, so we put a strong emphasis on our people. It's very people-oriented company. Um, but going back to, you know, let, let's go back to our purpose, our why, um, you know, this includes, um, you know, the, the, the reason why we do everything that we do. And it also incorporates our values, um, which are all very much about our customer, um, our environment and our employees. Uh, when I talk about mission, vision, and core values, you know, what is Lucid's mission? And, you know, this is something that we, uh, you know, it's, it's our mantra, right? It's it, our mission is to inspire the adoption of sustainable energy by creating the most captivating luxury electric vehicles that are centered around the human experience. So again, you know, a focus on the environment and our customer. Um, our core values, we have six of them. Uh, we, you know, we we elaborate on these in great detail during onboarding to make sure they're not just words on a piece of paper and all of our programs tie back to these core values. Um, passion is one of our core values because to do this type of work, you know, to create a, a revolutionary vehicle and a company, you, you know, you have to be passionate. You've got to be all in. Um, one of our core values is collaboration because we know that we can't do this alone. There has to be a synchronized effort among all of the teams. Um, innovation is something that we value. Empowerment, again, tying back to our people and, and empowering them to make a direct impact with impact being one of our core values in, in itself. Um, which by the way, I talk about programs and strategies tying back to our core values. Our continuous improvement program is, is called impact. And, and it's, it's honestly one of the best I, I've ever seen um, in, in, in any company. And uh, our other core value is open and honest communication. You know, there's, uh, it's very important for us to be transparent, um, you know, throughout the organization. And I think people uh, respect that. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of that is also interconnected. You can't tell people on the one hand, hey, you're empowered. I want you to participate in improvement without it being safe for people to speak up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have a lot of, a lot of ways for people to, to, to speak up. Um, you know, we have the impact continuous improvement program where they can um, not just submit ideas, but these are ones that they're, they're actually going to implement validate uh, for themselves with, with, with their team members. Uh, we've got a huge participation rate in manufacturing um, and every day we're receiving more and more um, completed impacts. Um, it, it, it's just one of our strategies, which, you know, I talked about this, the second element of uh, the Lucid production system. Um, it starts with setting goals. 
for all of our uh, key performance areas. And for us, we've prioritized those in terms of safety, people, environment, quality, delivery, and cost. The programs that we have, obviously we have uh, standardized work throughout the factory. Um, We understand the importance of, of standardization. It's our baseline for continuous improvement. We have a 6S program. I, I know a lot of listeners are familiar with, you know, the 5S plus safety, and that's what we practice. It's the reason why we do the other sort, set in order, shine, standardize, and sustain uh, efforts. Um, we have a incredible on-the-job training program called Building Excellence. And what this is, Mark, we have three levels of proficiency for an operator to achieve. And, you know, for, for customers that are listening, and I'm one of them, I have my reservation as well for Lucid Air, you know, you, you can take comfort in knowing that our operators um, start as supervised trainees. So they have a qualified workstation trainer working with them until they've built the proficiency to qualify for certification. And it's an actual process that each team member goes through with their supervisor to demonstrate that they've, they've gained that level of proficiency on the job. Um, the third level is, is becoming a qualified workstation trainer. So not only have you mastered this job, but you've also mastered the training methodologies so you can effectively train other people on the job. All of these actions, uh, you know, we, we monitor the results. We have our, you know, I talked about safety, people, environment, quality, delivery, and cost. Well, throughout the factory, I'm just going to abbreviate that SPEQDC. SPEQDC boards are throughout the factory, so we're monitoring our results. We have uh, factory audits that we do. Um, obviously, you know, downstream customer feedback comes into account. So, what are the results we're seeing? Uh, you know, in regard to the actions that we're taking, are we meeting our goal? If not, uh, when we are, we celebrate. And when we're not, it's very important. Part of this production system is knowing how to deal with abnormalities, abnormalities and opportunities to improve. So on every SPEQDC board throughout the factory, there are opportunity lists, which are basic action plans where you identify, you know, what what is the problem? What's the solution? Who's going to fix it and when? And the team works great collaboratively together. Um, There are escalations if there are things that are outside of their control. And we do have different problem-solving tools and, and systems for the team to help them deal with those abnormalities. So our strategies definitely tie back to our mission, vision, core values. Um, and then finally, you know, this, this last element uh, of the Lucid production system, the, the most important, it's, it's our people. And they're at the top of this battery. Um, it was important to build people into the visual representation uh, for us because we do value our, our people so much. And let me tell you, I'll tell you something, you know, something interesting. Casa Grande, I, I don't know if you've ever been there, Mark, but it's, it's such a great, um, yes, so you, you know the people there are phenomenal. We have just the most incredible workforce. And uh, every time I go, I, I just, you know, I can close my eyes and be in Georgetown, Kentucky, because that, that work ethic, you know, is, is there. And people are so eager, you know, to contribute and, and be a part of this, what we're building. Um, so it starts by hiring the right people. And they're, they're in Casa Grande, Arizona, in, in abundance, people with the right mindset, skill set, and knowledge. Uh, to be successful. Yeah. Casa Grande, it's it's almost exactly halfway between Phoenix and Tucson, or at least re- vaguely halfway. It's just, 
it's it's uh yeah maybe just a a little bit closer to phoenix but you're right it's it's pretty much in in the middle when i was a kid in elementary school going into middle school this is just a random quick aside you know growing up in the detroit suburbs one of my best friends from elementary school his dad worked in city government and he was hired to what was then i'm sure a much smaller but fast growing Casa Grande, Arizona. This would have been in the 80s. Um, if I remember remember right, he was hired as city manager. And so I was I was upset that one of my best friends uh, got pulled away all the way across the country. But I did have a chance to go out and visit and see Casa Grande um, when I was a kid. So random, random thing to bring up that is probably not that interesting to the listeners. I apologize. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is to your friend. No, it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful place and um, full of people who have you know the 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 right this right. I talked about mindset, skill set, knowledge. They they have the mindset, right? It's people with um, this growth mindset. You know, people who really embrace challenges. Uh, they're persistent. You know, learn from mistakes. Um, practice teamwork. One of the things I hear a lot from the team members uh, is uh, this the sense of family. And you can feel that when you're in the factory, and I, and, I, and I love that. In the in the early days of Lucid, uh, or in, at early days, sorry, early days of uh, you know having a manufacturing team because Lucid's been around quite some time with the technology uh, and the engineering. But the 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 first manufacturing folks um, were hired from Casa Grande, Arizona, and brought to Newark, California, where our headquarters are. And uh, so they were away from home and away from family. And in those situations, and I remember at Toyota, you know, traveling to Japan, and it was very similar. You bond and you become a family. Um, so I remember hearing that feedback. And I'm like, how do we, when, we, when you guys are back in Casa Grande, how do we keep that like a forever thing? How do we have this, this sense of family among the team? And I think we're, we're doing a great job of that, you know, with this, 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 this culture that the team is building. Well, it seems like it's a great opportunity in a lot of ways. I mean, I, there there are no other automakers in Arizona, which probably creates some supply chain challenges. But you have an opportunity to create, um, you know, re- re- really good jobs for um, a, a community. And you know, I don't know if part of the dynamic of Toyota um, going into Kentucky, which they may have been, well, Bowling Green, General Motors had. A, built Corvettes in Bowling Green, Kentucky for a long time. But when you look at other automakers who've come into the U.S. and have located in sort of non-traditional areas, um, maybe one opportunity is that everyone has a fresh start and a clean slate to focus on building. This is going to be the culture, in your case, at Lucid Motors, of not hiring people who maybe have um, have been beaten down or worn down by a more traditional Detroit big three kind of culture. There's probably more opportunity there than challenge. You just articulated very well what, you know, because I get that question a lot, uh, you know, job candidates and, and just in general, like what kind of, what kind of challenges are you facing? Like what, what, what are the biggest problems? And I, and I have to sit there and think, and I, and I, I, my response is exactly what you just said. It's, these are opportunities, you know, it's, and I think, um, we've done such a great job of building this strong foundation infrastructure that a lot of the problems, you know, you might anticipate um, have been, have been prevented. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of you, Mark, uh, you know, the, the, the your, your, everybody in this lean community um, from, you know, that, that are writing books and educating people on lean and trying to lead 
um, a lot of times a, a transformation within existing companies. And I have so much respect for that because I know how difficult that is. Um, my job is easy. Yeah. I, you know, listen, we're, we're building something from scratch. We're, we're using lessons learned. I've seen both ends of the spectrum, um, you know, from very well-established and, and strong cultural, uh, you know, foundational companies to not so much. Um, what were the lessons learned on opposite ends of, of the spectrum and, and how do we build uh, the very best from, from the beginning? And, and, you know, the, there's this term used in manufacturing. Some of the listeners will know, uh, you know, a greenfield site, because I guess the idea is you've taken a green grassy field and now you've put a factory in as opposed to a brown field, older site. Um, when I think of Arizona, having lived in Phoenix for a while, when you call it a greenfield, like the green is cactus, not grass, but, <laughs> but it's still greenfield, right? That's right. Yeah, um, it's definitely much a greenfield. Uh, uh, you know, I I have this really cool video. Um, I'm, I'm not going to share it, but Peter Hockholder and I, you know, visiting the 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 site, um, you know, before we had anything uh, in in Casa Grande, um, and it was just this great, uh, you know, the property. Um, they were. Uh, there's a funny story about burrowing owls. You know, they're very common there. And, um, you know, we were very sensitive to that when we, when we were um, getting ready to start construction on the, on the Greenfield site. Um, so we, we, we relocated, uh, found a great home for these burrowing owls that, that lived on this massive plot of land. Um, and two of them actually stayed and, and we hired them. It's Lou and Sid, Lou, Sid, they're our mascots. <laughs> And, uh, so, but anyway, you're right. Uh, you know, Greenfield, um, is such a huge advantage. Uh, you're not constrained by any form of building structure. You're not trying to, you know, make your factory fit into an existing building. You're building a factory around the operations that you need. Well, and when you're talking about not being constrained by an existing building or maybe not constrained by land around it. I mean, part of the challenge and at this phase of Lucid Motors is you're having to plan for growth and scalability of production at different levels. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I know I made it sound easy. Oh, you just, you know, build a foundry, factory around the operations. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's all. <laughs> it's not easy, but yeah. There is so much work, uh, you know, that our, our manufacturing engineering team has put into this, um, and 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 just the you know the production team to plan out a, a multi-phase approach. You know, you're 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 building a greenfield based on a, a certain volume, um, but we have a four-phase plan. We know that uh, as the, the the customer demand just continues to to grow, we you know we recently. Um, sold out of our uh, reservations on our, our Lucid Air Dream Edition, but we're, uh, you know, we have we have other models that that are obviously available, and then um, a completely new body, uh, the the uh, the Gravity, uh, which will be our, our next one. Um, you, you know, you have to look into the future and build a factory that's future proof. And Peter Hockholder and his and and his team have just done an amazing job of, um, you, you know. It, it, being able to scale this factory uh, to additional models and, and the additional demand uh, that that's coming. Um, and, you know, uh, not that I can, you know, provide any details behind it or don't have any to give, but um, Casa Grande is uh, it's, it's just our first factory, you know, um, 
So lots of exciting things to come. I'll just leave it at that. Well, you talk about demand for the cars. Um, the one that the, the, the model, the level, I guess it's all the same model, um, that the one that that sold out costs way up in six figures, a hundred and something thousand. So um, that's that that says something that you know there's 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 demand for um, a, a car that that's you know, uh, expensive and you know the base level um, of it is is I think right about seventy thousand dollars and it seems you know at that level I mean you described it earlier correctly it's a luxury vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, the need for built-in quality to get off the ground as a company and to get a, and establish and maintain a good reputation. I mean, that initial quality with those initial customers at a price point like that, I mean, there's, there's a lot at stake to, to, to have that built-in quality for the long-term good of the company. So that I'm sure that's an exciting challenge for everybody involved in ensuring and refining and building in that kind of quality at that price point. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, let's face it, Mark, um, look at, look at, you know, uh, traditional OEMs and the percentage of their fleets that are transitioning to EV. The the day of the early adopters is, is gone. You know, um, in the early days of, of Tesla, you know, um, customers may have been, uh, you know, uh, more forgiving. Um, this, the, the, the lucid air is, uh, the most luxurious uh, EV. It's 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 basically a new segment within the EV um, world. Um, and yeah, we've got uh, you know it's it's the fastest vehicle with proven Formula E technology. It's the fastest charging. It's the longest range. It's you know in 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 really any category you can think of. Um, it's um, it, it will be the the best vehicle uh, a person a person can purchase. The price point that you mentioned, yes, that's uh, you know obviously for uh, our early customers, people, you know, that are, are um, looking for that, that looking for that level of luxury, they're they're going to get um, exactly what they're paying for. Um, and then, as you know, as we scale, and you're right, it's not it's not a different model; it's a different level of, of the same model. It's the it's the Lucid Air. Um, there will be you know much more uh, affordable options. You know, one thing as you know, Toyota has demonstrated. And uh, people in healthcare have been learning and demonstrating, um, you know, built-in quality um, and, and having good process and the right culture. Better quality doesn't cost more. Toyota has demonstrated, as I'm sure I'm guessing Lucid Motors will aspire to do, to deliver high levels of reliability and quality, whether it's the most, ex- for Toyota's case, whether it's the most expensive Lexus or the, the least expensive um, small Toyota, like, you know, there are different dimensions of quality. You can say, well, there's quality in terms of size and there's quality in terms of whether it's super high-end leather seats or inexpensive um, cloth fabric seats, but the reliability, lack of defects, I mean, that quality is something that the Toyota production system has delivered. And, and I'm, I'm it sounds like that would be the aspiration of the Lucid production system to deliver high levels of quality at any price point along the way. That's correct. And regardless of the price point, uh, you know, Peter Rawlinson has made it perfectly clear. Um, we will not release a car to a customer unless it, unless it is perfect. So um, we, we have to work backwards from that um, and, and make sure that it's, it's instilled in everything that we do. The thing that 
one of the things that excites me about this, you know, evolving lucid motor story and everything that um, is, is ahead is that, you know, there's this opportunity to have, you know, clearly electric vehicles are uh, an innovative product and platform. I mean, when I worked at General Motors in 1995, we were building internal combustion engines. And that is, you know, at some point, it's going to sound like I was making horse and buggies. <laughs> we think of how this technology has evolved. And clearly, there are things that are different when you're talking about batteries and battery packs and um, electric motors instead of the traditional powertrain drivetrain. And, and, and I'm going to pose this. I, I don't mean this to sound insulting at all. But at some point, uh, welding is welding. Assembly is assembly. Painting is painting. I mean, it seems like there's the opportunity of, you know, kind of proven manufacturing techniques in the parts of the car that are like cars have been, plus innovative design, innovative technology. I mean, it seems like that's quite an opportunity to have um, the best of both worlds there. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's something that is reflected in uh you know, our leadership team and the people that, that were brought on, we've got, um, you know, people, a, a mix of people that come from, um, you know, Ford, General Motors, Audi, Jaguar, um, uh, uh, Toyota, and, uh, and, and there's quite a few, um, that actually came from Tesla, um, that came with a, a wealth of, of lessons learned, um, you know, to help, to help build this factory. And that mix you know, you get your folks who are, you know, welding is welding and, you know, putting a car together is putting a car together. But you, you have to be able to do so in a way that keeps up with this pace of Silicon Valley innovation. Uh, you know, I, I remember at um, Toyota when we were planning a, 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 new, a new model or a new manufacturing line, that planning took place three years in advance. And we had a tremendous amount of resources, um, you know, engineering teams and pilot team members to, to help prepare for this. T t took a really long time and, and things were pretty static once the design was, was, was flushed out. Three years later, you're building that car. Well, you know, I, I know Toyota's gotten much, much quicker uh, with their pace of innovation. But think about what's happening in the EV space um, to maintain that competitive edge, to have the best the fastest, the, you know, the, the, the fast charging, longest range. Um, you have to be able to adjust your manufacturing processes um, in, in a, in a hyper-responsive way. So finding people who, by the way, we talked about welding as welding. We actually, <laughs> with the aluminum body, there is, uh, we have a weld list body shop, um, which I, I'd love to show you, Mark, you know, when, when we have a chance. Yeah, it's more tacked together. I've seen uh, I had a chance to visit a Range Rover factory um, outside of Birmingham in England, and it's all it's all basically sort of riveted together or glued together. It, it, adhesives, I believe, if I remember from from that factory tour. It's been a while. In, incredibly strong structural adhesives that uh, you know you could take a one square inch of of metal um, and and cure this adhesive on the roof of the vehicle and be able to pick up the entire car. Well, we use you know a lot more than one inch of structural adhesive. It's it's throughout the vehicle, and then uh, you know through other joining methods like uh, rivets and um, you know the, the, the structural integrity is is just amazing. And that's why you know one of the reasons in in addition to the you know the absence of a 
an internal combustion engine that uh, EVs have such a have such a great safety rating. But getting back to your your point was well taken though. You know, you know, taking people who are very well versed in traditional auto manufacturing, but yet uh, you know have this growth mindset and understand how to incorporate the latest technologies and keep up with that pace of change. Um, that's the challenge, and that's something I think we we've done really well. And you can tell I don't work in marketing. I apologize for calling the adhesives glue. That doesn't sound as, <laughs> as uh, that that wasn't technically um, correct. But I mean, I think you know, I think it's fair to say that I like I don't think the innovation in the electric vehicle makers is coming in the realm of paint. It's coming in the 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 the, the batteries and um, the uh, the 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 driver experience in terms of displays and interfaces and I mean yeah it seems like a lot of that um it you know the, that that's much more competitive than like I don't know maybe I'm surprised you know, does does Lucid have there's probably yeah it doesn't seem like anywhere in the industry that there's a lot of paint innovation I could be wrong I think a lot of people. Uh, I, I think that's the rationale. A lot of people look at EV companies as uh, technology companies and not auto <laughs> manufacturing companies. Yeah, there's definitely a heavy, um, a heavy influence on on the technology. So, Keith, one other thing I was going to ask you on your LinkedIn page, you have a, an image and a quote there that that seems meaningful to you. Um, in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. So I was wondering if you could, you know, kind of tell us why that quote resonates with you and, and why you've shared that. They've, uh, you know, they've credited Albert Einstein for that quote. And, um, you know, so, so why does it resonate with me? Well, you know, it's something I learned early on in, in, in my career, um, that for sure during my Toyota days was that uh, difficulties, challenges, um, you know, the problems uh, we face are, are opportunities, um, you know, and it goes back to having that growth mindset uh, where, where difficulties actually can be an exciting thing, knowing that out of whatever difficulty you're facing, you know, working together, you know, we can always find a better way. I, I can give you an example. I, hopefully this example lends itself well to the quote, but um, when I first, you know, we were talking about when I first started at Toyota and being on the front line, I can remember, you know, I wasn't used to being on my feet all day. So it was, it was definitely, um, it was hard on my feet, you know, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I didn't have the right boots, but it was definitely, it was a lot of walking and it was all day long. And, you know, people laugh when I tell them, but uh, Mark, you know, when I would drive home after a full day of work, I, you know, I swear I could hear my feet screaming at me. I could literally <laughs> hear them <laughs> being angry and, and yelling at me. Now, you know, what could I have done? I, I could have quit, right? I could have said, oh, you know, this is, but instead I, I started looking for ways to take fewer steps, you know, to make my job easier. And I was in the body shop and there was this one process where you were back and forth between, you know, multiple stands and you had to grab some tools and then go back to the vehicle and, and back and forth. Uh, you know, I saw it as an opportunity to change the layout a little bit. Uh, my supervisor came over um, and just to check on me one day. And I said, you know, take a look at this. Could we move uh, this stand from here to here? And maybe re he, he looked around. He um, he got on his radio and he called a, a maintenance technician over and they made those changes right there. 
And it was great. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, just reduced how many steps I was taking. I wasn't, you know, my feet were, were starting to quiet down a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, I went to, I went to break and at break time, you know, the the whole team and we sit in the break room and, um, you know, there's just, you just relax, you have a snack, you relax. Someone, someone came in and said, who arranged uh, the process? Who rearranged that? Who did that? And I, and I got nervous. I was like, oh no, (laughs) yeah, you know, I'm I'm in trouble because, you know, uh, I, I, somebody else is going to rotate into that job. And, um, you know, we kind of made that change on the fly in hindsight, probably not a great idea, but it turns out that, um, they actually liked the change and asked, can we do this in another process? You know, can we do this over here? Can we do that over there? And it was that feeling of knowing that I helped others that really got me hooked on, on lean, right? Like I'm sure for you, Mark, you was that there was that moment in your life where you're like, I am like, this is, this is what I want to talk about. This is what I want to do. So I think that was my moment. And, um, you know, I reflect back on that. It it was a difficult situation, Um, you know, looking for an opportunity and, and solving it and making it better for other people. So in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. I think it's going to mean something different to different people. You can apply it to different things in your life, but it's about your mindset, right? Mm. Difficulties. Mm -hmm. You can, you could be a problem complainer or you could be a problem solver, you know? Um, so, so that's why it really, it, it resonates well with me. And that's, that's why it's on my LinkedIn page. Yeah, you're right. It is a versatile quote. Um, you talk about those, those difficulties and, you know, um, you know, I've talked to Toyota people or there's, there's this excellent book called Toyota by Toyota that's written by, uh, a, a number of people, I'm sure you know a lot of the people who were contributors to that book, Daryl Wilburn and Sammy O'Bara and um, and others, you know, they emphasize right in the beginning of that book, you know, for as much as everyone associates the word Kaizen with Toyota, um, you know, they really emphasize the word challenge and how that's an important part of the Toyota culture. And you've, you've got a lot of exciting challenges Um and opportunities there at Lucid Motors with the operations, the team building, the hiring, the training, building that culture. Um, what, a, what a great opportunity. Yeah, you talk about challenges. There, there are some, I remember, um, you know, when, when the EV industry, you know, when we were just getting that kicked off back in 2010 with the, uh, the Tesla Model S and, um, you know, you, you're basically starting with this blank slate of paper. Um, that's a challenge. Um, and for me, uh, super exciting. Oh my gosh. You know, to be able to apply all of my learnings, um, all of my experience and, you know, collaborate with other people who had different learnings and different experience to create this, you know, this new company, um, definitely not for everybody. Right. Uh, some people, um, their, their, their head would explode, you know, it just wasn't, they were looking for something established, something structured, uh, weren't prepared to actually create that. Maybe one other final question for you, Keith. Um, you know, you talk about the Lucid production system and, and the Lucid way, and you know, you have a job title that refers to um, operational excellence. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, what are the types of things that you work on specifically in in your role? I have um, a few organizations under my umbrella, uh, all of which I'm, I'm I'm very proud of. I've got a learning and development team. Um, which is just uh, incredible. You know, we have an onboarding program that 
really helps prepare people. You mentioned, you know, Casa Grande, Arizona, great place, no manufacturing uh, or auto manufacturing, sorry. You know, so how do you prepare a team to not just build a car, but build the best car in the world? You know, you've got to have a great training program. And, I, you know, I, I credit my learning and development team for just building out a, a tremendous onboarding program. You can't stop there. You've got to be able to build a, a training programs that support the entire career life cycle of our employees. Um, you know, also, you know, helping people advance internally. So career development, technical training, leadership workshops. So the team's done a great job there. So that's, that's one. I've got a data visualization team. Um, and this is uh, the team that's taking all of our business systems, all of our metrics, all of the things that are relevant to measuring the factory performance and visualizing it in a way that is intelligent and tells a story. To the, to the to the people that can drive action to improve those. Um, and obviously, if, you know, I, I want to be able to do something with that information. So I have a, a, a lean implementation team, my lean team, uh, also doing a great job of building out all these tools and systems with the inputs from the leadership team and then direct uh, collaboration with the folks on the front line that are going to be practicing them. Um, that really helps ensure the adoption of, of lean um, and all the strategies that we're using to help optimize the, the factory performance. Um, I also have an industrial engineering team, which is helping to build out all the, again, all the tools and, and, and the, the systems and the standards so we can scale globally uh, without reinventing the wheel, you know, with every new greenfield uh, factory that, that, that we open. Um, so we have an industrial engineering team that can, you know, um, make sure that the cycle times are captured. We're within our, uh, you know, tack time, which is the time, the pace that we need to build uh, the vehicles and then drive activity like line balancing <clears throat> and cycle time improvements. Um, so the L&D, the data visualization, the, the lean and the industrial engineering, and uh, it's just an amazing team. And they all work very closely with uh, the manufacturing leadership and, and the folks out there on the front line. Keith, I'm so glad that you could join us and, and share um, your, your perspectives from you know these different companies that, that you've worked in and what's happening and what's going to be happening at Lucid. Um, people, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people listening are going to go and uh, lucidmotors.com slash careers. Um, I, just, I did a quick search. There's uh, one, one job posted here in Casa Grande for lean coach and maybe somebody listening um, is going to go out and uh, and seek that out, just uh, planting that seed of thought. But, um, you know, Keith, the, the, the final thing I was just going to say here is, yeah, from what you've described about the Lucid production system, um, I, I did a little dictionary search because Lucid's one of those words you hear and then like, well, wait a minute, what does that really mean? So here's the dictionary definition I got. It said, expressed clearly, easy to understand. And I think what you've shared with us today, Keith, I think that fits. There's a double meaning here when we say it's a lucid or the lucid production system. That's great. That's great. Yes. Um, so our, our guest again um, today has been um, Keith Champion, Senior Manager of Operational Excellence uh, at Lucid Motors. Um, Keith, this has been great. And as things evolve, maybe we can do another episode here or we can do an episode of, of Lean Whiskey where you can... Um, you know, after it's gone to launch uh, to the market and as the company continues to grow, maybe we can kind of revisit 
how things have gone and what the new learnings and opportunities are. Sounds great, Mark. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to talking again. I want to thank uh, everyone that's listening. You know, Lean is, it's uh, such an amazing journey and, and an incredibly satisfying experience. So I want to encourage everyone, you know, continue on your lean journey. And if you're just getting started, um, enjoy the ride. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Keith. Well, again, I want to thank Keith Champion from Lucid Motors for being such a great guest today. For links, show notes, videos, and more, you can go to leanblog.org slash 410. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.